Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today, we're doing a body-swapping-themed episode, as I'm joined by my friend, Lissa Koshbakti, to talk about both Freaky and Freaky Friday. Lissa, thanks for being here. Thanks again for having me, Josh. Very excited to talk about it today. Yeah, I hope, you, uh, hope you're feeling like yourself, because we're going to talk about some people that are very much uh, not themselves. We're going to start out by talking about Freaky, which is the newest movie from uh, Blumhouse director Christopher Landon. It's produced by Jason Blum also, and but Christopher Landon's kind of been in the Blumhouse family for some time now, as he directed both Happy Death Day movies and wrote them as well. And this is his follow-up to that. It stars Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn plays the Blissfield Butcher, a serial killer in the mold of your uh, your Michael Myerses of the world that just haunts the town of Blissfield Valley and is off murdering teens at the beginning of the movie. And uh, Catherine Newton plays Millie, who's just a regular old high schooler who is having her old tough time and having her family struggles and has a group of friends at school, though. And uh, one night when she is uh, finishing her duties as the mascot for a – uh, for the school football team because Catherine totally looks like someone who would be a mascot and not a cheerleader. She ends up getting hunted down by Vince Vaughn's Blissfield Butcher, but because the Butcher has stolen a knife in that opening sequence at a house that has some mystic powers, it ends up causing both him and Millie to switch bodies when they wake up the next day. The Butcher still in Millie's body still has the aims of killing everyone, but Millie in the body of the Butcher wants to get back to her old life and figures out that she needs to track down that knife from the police station where her sister is employed as a police officer stab the butcher who is again in her body to end up putting things back to the way they should be Lissa, i want to ask you first when you uh get ready to see a movie like this uh what are you hoping to get out of it because i think we were both very excited by the trailer uh because it just looked very unique and uh horror comedies are a thing but when you uh see a movie like this what are your expectations and what are you hoping to get out of it yeah, it's a good question, Josh. I think, you know, when it, when the trailer first came out, we were both really looking forward to it. And we'll find out what we both thought of it in a little bit. But <laughs> when I think of like horror comedy, it's it's or comedy horror films. It's one of my it's one of my favorite genres. So I expect, you know, as long as it's a B plus and it's fun and we got a few gore shots like I'm usually. very <laughs> So easy to please. Yeah, easy to please, honestly, because. I think I held horror to a really high standard a few years ago, but now I like to have more fun with it. So I'm going to try to be a hypocrite on the podcast today when it comes to fun horror films. Let me ask you, I mentioned at the beginning, Christopher Landon uh, really kind of hit it big the last few years making the Happy Death Day movies. Have you seen those films? I unfortunately haven't, and I wish I did before this, I think. But I have been through, I think Halloween Horror Nights did a mix of The Purge and Happy Death Day when I went mm. two years ago. So I got a little bit behind the scenes, but I don't really know what the movies are about. Okay, I don't like being very... or I, I, no, I take that back. I can be pushy about my recommendations. I make them a lot. I can say very yep. confidently that you would like those movies. Mm. I I love those movies. I... I, I feel like they gave me like almost a kind of a renewed or I don't want to say a renewed love of the horror genre because I used to not be a horror person at all. But they are right. some of my favorite kind of horror movies. So I may be like you and that I kind of like horror comedies, I guess. And I think those movies are a big part of why I, I saw those movies before I ever actually saw Scream, which I know sounds crazy. But yeah. I, I watched Scream for the first time last year before I visited a friend of mine in Austin, Texas, who mm-hmm. had uh, gotten tickets to uh, the Alamo Draft Houses. Uh, they do like a I think it's called a um, some kind of 
something pancake series where it's like they do like a mystery science theater type thing where they have uh, people commentate on um, certain kinds of movies and tell jokes about them and stuff. And this was going to be on screen. And I was like, all right, I need to watch screen before I actually like watch it with people talking over it the whole time. And, (laughs) and I really liked it. And I liked it even more when I heard people making jokes about it, but I, I'd already seen the happy death day movies and they're both great. They're kind of like, you know, they're a mix of they're they're you know, they're, they're, they're like a mix of a mix of Friday the 13th scream and groundhog day all in one They're And both of them are about repeating days with the same characters. And they somehow both feel like pretty unique and fresh and inter- and equally entertaining. And it's just really impressive what he pulled off there. So I, going into this movie, I have a lot of respect for Christopher Landon because of that. I really like Catherine Newton a lot. She's only like 23 years old and she's already done just like a ton of things that I'm a huge fan of. You know, she, uh, she was in, she played the daughter in Halt and Catch Fire, the very underrated AMC series. She was in Blockers, one of my, 10 favorite movies of 2018 uh and she was i I even watched that netflix series for series for the one season it was on the society she was the lead in that like i'm just i'm I'm just like a big fan of everything she does and i was like all right like i'm really curious to watch her finally get to kind of lead a movie like this and so i had really high expectations and i guess where i ultimately came down to the movie was that it was probably unfair of me to put that on this movie but like it had all these components that i really liked in it and had that great trailer, and I still really liked it, but I don't. Th- I think I might have almost hyped it up a little too much in my head because I did have some problems with the storytelling and certain kind of plot choices and uh, things that I think it could have done differently that would have been overall stronger. Because I, fair or unfair, I was comparing it to these other Happy Death Day movies, which are very tight and have very few holes, in my opinion. But at the same time, I think these people give like super fun performances and it's still really creative in a lot of its horror aspects, even if it kind of blatantly rips off some other horror movies and other parts of it. So I was able to kind of recognize that it was so really fun, though maybe not as like inventive and original as I would have hoped for. Where did you ultimately come down on Freaky? Honestly, Josh, I know we sometimes don't agree, but we're actually very much on the nose in agreeing in this one because, and I apologize in advance because I watched it less than 24 hours ago and usually the English major in me has done research and has notes by now, but this is going to be a raw reaction. Honestly, I felt the same way. At the end of it, I really wanted to nitpick it. A few parts I was like, ooh, that was cringy. But, you know, like you mentioned, the performances the like Catherine herself and Vince really held it together. And that part of the film was really fun for me. I think the tone was a little bit shaky. Um, I think they kind of got lost in the commentary here and there, even though some parts were funny. Um, and like you mentioned, the trailer really hyped it up for me. And I, I am guilty of getting too hyped by a trailer when it has all of the (laughs) characteristics of a, a really good film. And, they just edited the trailer so well. I was so excited, but kind of like the Joker when I finally uh, watched, it, I was a little bit disappointed not to bring the Joker back, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't need to think about the Joker anymore right now. Uh, the, I, 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 let me, let me ask you first thing. Cause I, I don't want to end up going off on my own rant. Uh, was there one kind of, and I'm wondering if our heads were in the same place on any of this stuff, but, uh, was there one big nitpick that kind of stuck out to you? Uh, you know, cause I, honestly, we don't even have to really worry about, I don't think we really have to worry about spoilers for this movie necessarily. We can, we can talk about a couple of the ways kills happen, but like, I think people kind of know where a movie is headed like this when they kind of see the conceit and it's more about how you get there. And so I, I'm not too worried about that. So let me just ask you, was there any kind of one big pothole or one big hang up? What's an example of something that kind of held you back from fully embracing the movie? 
how I don't want to say like the dialogue, but I do want to say the dialogue because like I mentioned, like some parts of it were really cringy for me. I know they were trying to be progressive and some parts that worked were obviously like in the trailer and in the movie. It's really funny when he was like, I'm gay and you're black, of course, like whatever, we're going to die. Um, so like some of the, some of the commentary and the dialogue worked, but some parts didn't and some parts felt really uncomfortable. Um, like, like it was funny in the car with Vince and Booker, but uh, I think I just didn't think they had to go that far. But oh, really? I actually like that scene. You like that uh, part? So I, I respected that it got that weird at that point. Right, I, right. I was like, all right, they're really, really gonna go here. I didn't know if even though yeah. Vince Vaughn had it in him to go somewhere that weird. I thought I was. I mean, I wasn't shocked that like he would just play the part of being a girl because I mean, that's kind of obviously what he signed up for, but for him getting into something as weird as like, uh, making out with a high school guy, uh, as himself pretending to be a girl. I was like, all right, there are like levels to this. And I appreciate that Vince Vaughn is willing to get that weird, uh, when he's someone that's more known for like traditional bro humor, you know? Yeah. And for me, Vince was a star of this film. Like he really carried the whole thing together. He gave me, um, Jack Black vibes in Jumanji. Mm-hmm. He had to, you know, kind of act like a girl. And so I think Vince was the the star of this. I was really watching it for him. Um, and what was I going to say? I'm blanking. But yeah, he was a star of the film for me. Yeah. So I, I guess my big thing, and I watched this with my friends, Adam and Kayla, who are also uh, semi-regular guests on the podcast. And uh, the the thing that both all of us kept saying throughout the whole movie, because whenever there is like a body switching uh, movie, there's always the scene where the person that has uh, the the, per- the character we're with who has to go convince someone that they are someone that they, this is actually me, even though I'm not in the same body. And right. that that happens in a, in a fairly funny scene in this movie where she ends up fighting her friends, or she she as in Vince Vaughn's body ends up fighting her friends, and then uh, Vince Vaughn has to do like. Uh, the 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 mascot routine to convince them and does a funny dance and it's and it's really hilarious. But then, so much of the rest of the movie hinges on them being able to break into a police station to steal a knife and do a bunch of what is really illegal stuff. Where the movie makes the choice to make Millie's sister a police officer, and we were saying the whole entire movie she could just convince her sister it's her. She probably has all of this knowledge of things that she could say that only this, the sister would only know, would know that only her sister would know just like she did to her friends. And I mean, I have my own questions about the butcher and how like he's that <laughs> recognizable to everyone. I guess there's a sketch probably goes around at some point right. early in the movie. I don't know how a sketch goes around about him when he kills all the witnesses uh, in the first scene, but there is a sketch that has a pretty good face on him. So that goes around, but like the fact is, like, yeah, maybe the sister who's a cop is gonna freak out if she knows that sketch. But I, I do think there was a way they could have, like, she could have blurted something out in that scene in the police station and and kind of gotten to the bottom of it. And this, they refused to do that. And there's not really a good explanation for it. And that might seem like a weird thing to get hung up on, but it's the kind of uh, plot hole storytelling decision, whatever you want to call it, that again. Maybe it's unfair of me to be like holding this guy to a higher standard because I liked his other movies, but it's the kind of thing I did not expect his movie to have something like that that would give me such pause because the Happy Death Day movies are so airtight in that regard. So that really bothered me throughout. I'm like, this is just one way the story is like hinging on something that I don't think has to be that way. And I think there's a way to write this movie that has this general overall story that doesn't have like a weird plot thing like that that just like is is just. Could have been like easily solvable. Right. That's just like staring me in the face the whole goddamn time. So there's that. And the other thing, and I'm going to talk positive stuff after this, but I want to get your thoughts on what I'm saying here so I can just get all the negative stuff off my chest. But 
when they wake up, and that's the thing that also kind of happens in Freaky Friday, which is fun to watch these people wake up and slowly come to grips with what is going on. When mm. they wake up, and obviously, again, like you said, Vince Vaughn, he, he carries the movie because that is a fully formed person from the moment he wakes up or she wakes up in his body and is reacting in all the ways you would expect that person to react. And it's really funny. He owns it. It's really good. But when he wakes up as Millie, he's like a zombie, basically, about as emotionless as the Blissfield Butcher should be. And it is kind of funny watching her almost murder her sister, stuff herself with food. But, right. like, we're led to believe that, like, this is, like, a, a, a almost a zombie of a man that just goes around murdering. And then all of a sudden, he I, – I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling with the pronouns here. Uh, no. I, I guess I'll say he, he as she, uh, all of a sudden develops and becomes, like, the most conniving character ever. And it's fun to watch. I think she does a really fun job in that role. But it's, mm-hmm. like, going from, like, not knowing how to act in this person's house to, like, not being able to muster a single word – when he's around the family, which would help to avoid suspicion, all of a sudden is smart enough to like all of a sudden turn into the shrinking damsel in distress when right. the school police officers are there and someone runs by him, or uh, when he's like tied up in the uh, when the in that one in the guy's house and trying to convince the the crush. Uh, you already you you remembered his name. I forgot the name for a second. Um, oh, oh, Booker. Booker. It's just a cra- crazy name. Kind of, I'm seeing his last name Strode, which is kind of funny since, uh, you know, there's like some the Halloween parallels here and, you know, Laurie Strode, whatnot. Uh, but, and we're about to talk about Freaky Friday, which has Jamie Lee Curtis. But all of a sudden, the, the butcher, as Millie, has all of these like really smart things to do to try and convince people that's actually her and mm-hmm. is like being super conniving and smart. And it's like, if, if he had this in him all along, why didn't he like operate differently to try and be a more, you know, discreet serial killer instead was just like you know being this like lumbering big man that wears a mask and like murders and has a there's a sketch i don't know it just seemed like it was two different people and that they kind of the, the movie hinges on that like the happy death day movies don't necessarily have big villains but they don't hinge on the villain like being a character i didn't really have a sense of who this character was and that's right. kind of my thing do you have any thoughts on that any any other storytelling choices that kind of bothered you or anything like that just so we can get that out there i, I kind of saw what you were saying about the dialogue because that i mean that joke about the, the the black person and the gay person it was an easy one to make it was almost like obvious i get it there were a few other moments like that where the the writing was just kind of like uh, no for me that part was funny but oh, like oh, so some- you did like that part okay yeah like that part i was like okay i kind of get it but it's also very low-hanging fruit but were there other moments did, did you have any thoughts on the rambling i just did because again I liked a lot of the pieces of this movie, but there are just certain aspects of the story that I was just like, eh, I think you could have done this better. Exactly. And no, I feel the same way. It feels like if we're looking at it like a puzzle, I could take off pieces that I actually liked, but I don't know how much I loved it as a whole. I mean, overall, it was a really fun movie, but kind of going back to what you said about Vince Vaughn's character, like truly, I'm so glad he had a mask on when he was killing because I could not... And even towards the end, I could not take him seriously as a serial killer, honestly. Like, even when he tried to be intimidating and vicious at the end when he was fighting mm. with Millie, yeah, I couldn't. You, you know him too much as, like, a as a comedy actor, like a straight comedy right. actor, yeah. And so that part bothered me because it was such a disconnect between him as a villain and him as um, playing as Millie that it kind of throws you out of the scene. And so going back to what you said about when he was playing in, in Millie's body, you know, he was just a zombie and all of a sudden he's like picking a jacket and he's like at 
school, like working all of that, which I admit they were probably going for an extreme for comedy purposes. And some parts of it worked, but for the most part, it was just a little bit like confusing. There's a line in the arcade where uh, someone has told him off and made some comment about just like, uh, I, I don't know, it had something to do like some sexual comment innuendo about dryness or something like that. <laughs> and uh, the, the butcher, as Millie, says something like very, very vulgar about like, like so along the lines of just like oh you wouldn't be dry because of me or so i i don't have the wording right but i'm like would the butcher really have it in him to like give that great of a diss that is like very yeah. sexual but very articulate at the same time like i just don't really know about that you know yeah it was just like you questioned a lot of parts and like if you could actually see it coming from that person that they were playing but, I, but again i really enjoyed Catherine newton saying the line exactly. i was just like i was just like again I, when i took a step back i was like but does it really make that much sense that that they they would have this kind of she would have this kind of he would have this kind of language in him, you know? Exactly, and that's why I bring it back to saying the dialogue was confusing because it's like Catherine and Vince played their characters, whichever character they were playing, so well. But I think the dialogue really messed them up and made it confusing for the viewer. Well, and what about uh, what about the? Because again, I'm complaining a little bit about the arc that they bring the butcher on because they try and make the butcher a character. You can have these uh, these straight slasher movies where it's more about the the atmosphere, the town, the other characters that are the victims, and it doesn't so much matter whether or not you know who Michael Myers is as a person. It's you're watching that movie for just about everything else. But this movie tries to sell you on the butcher as its own character, who just doesn't make sense. But I do think Millie has her own arc. What do you think about the story they give her? Because I actually have some criticisms about that, too, that kind of go along with the joke I made earlier about Catherine Newton not really being a mascot type. Yeah, I mean, kind of you going off that joke, I was thinking, too, like, she's such a beautiful person. Like, how is how how is it believable that, like, she's, like, the quiet type and, like, she can't talk to a guy? And then I think that's also adding to the confusion of, like, I think they were there was a moral to the story of like, you know, when you get out of your body, you realize like, I don't know if, I, if you well, got no, this. I, I, you know no, what I mean? But no. like, I think they're giving that moral of like, once you're out of your body, you're kind of a different, you see yourself differently. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, I'm glad you went there because that's where I was going to go. And I, I, I understand why you might have trouble articulating what they were trying to do because I don't really <laughs> think they went about that in the best way. What they were trying to say. Either. Well, See, it goes back to my problem with like kind of trying to cast Catherine Newton as the downtrodden one. Not even that she wouldn't have a ton of confidence in the guys. I'm sure there are plenty of attractive girls that like just maybe aren't comfortable flirting or uh, trying to say whatever it takes to get the jock taken interest in them. That's not necessarily my problem. My problem is more that they cast like I don't think the pretty girl like that necessarily gets bullied in the same way i'm sure i'm not saying pretty girls never have trouble in high school with any kind of bullying and they might have it from other pretty girls like this one did but the fact is like it's hard for me to again that might happen in real life but it's hard for me to get there with Catherine newton who is literally a model uh <laughs> that is her second job besides actress like she it's funny she i i follow her on instagram she's actually like a legitimately like good golf player she says she would have been a golfer if she had not been an actress and like oh. she plays in like pro-ams and stuff like that and yeah and she so i i had known that she did that for a while like because i think she actually had one uh I, I i feel like i think i see i might have seen her in a pro-am where she actually played with a uh, former florida gator billy horschel so yeah i so i i knew she was really into golf 
But then, like, she's even, like, she's now, like, a, a brand ambassador for Polo Ralph Lauren Golf and stuff like that. Like, she is a legit model. And it's like, you're going to try and get me to believe that this model that, like, has right. came to prominence playing Reese Witherspoon's daughter and no one questioned it for a second. Like, this girl is the one that is just the frumpy mascot that has, like, that gets bullied and picked on. So that I'm already, it's already a tough bridge to cross. And then they make them, they kind of, like you said, they make the moral of the story. Oh man, being in a big, strong body, I knew, I felt, I knew what it felt like to like not get bullied because no one's going to pick on someone if they're big and strong. And I, I think it was a a missed opportunity because I don't buy her as someone who gets bullied. However, part of what makes the happy death day movie so smart is that again, like I said, it's kind of like groundhog day on a college campus. And, Mm -hmm. Uh, you'll, if, you, if you watch them, you'll be really impressed with how like these movies are funny, they're entertaining, but in a way they are a larger metaphor for like the kind of repeated trauma that women might suffer on college campuses, whether it be like, I don't know, sexual assault, domestic violence, because this woman is dying every day and it becomes apparent that like even though her days are resetting, she's still feeling the effects of it. And it's really smart in that way. And it's like it's about something else at the same time. Right. And I just don't know if that's what if this movie wanted to have some other kind of message. The bullying thing didn't resonate with me but what would have was if have, have you watched master of none yes so I, do you do you remember so do you remember this the, the the kind of the intro sequence in one of the season two episodes of master of none where dev and eric are like walking home from a bar and they're just having a jolly old time in the dark and it's spliced with a woman walking home from the bar and it's like, like afraid and, and, and they don't really comment on it that much she just has a guy following her and it cuts back to them and it cuts back to her and she gets home but like it says everything that needs to be said just in that opening and like just simple acts like that are just like so much easier for guys because they just don't even have to think about it. It's just not even a consideration and it just shows the privilege that men have in that way where that, that women just don't. And I thought that that could have been what this movie was about in a different way. If they had just calibrated that messaging a little differently to be about just how 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 much easier life is just by virtue of simply being a man and had her kind of come to that realization uh and she could have gotten maybe like i i I, you could have set it up differently when you were in the millie is still millie part of the movie i suppose where maybe she you know has like a a couple of uh icky encounters with men or something like that and then had that realization that like oh wow it's so easy to go through life when you're just in the body of a white man and I thought that would have been a smarter way to handle it than to try and convince us that Catherine Newton was just like the unpopular kid at school when she looks like Catherine Newton. Exactly. And going off that, too, it's like they made so many little comments here about like, oh, you're so strong in this body. Oh, you're so weak in this body. Like mm-hmm. you, they said so many comments. I was like, what are they trying to say? Like, is it good? Is it bad? It was just like it was just it was I know I keep i take a shot every time I say confusing on this podcast, but it really just felt like that way. Like I was like, I think I like this film even at the end, you know? So they just, they made too many comments and not enough. I want to say like actions. Yeah. I was just, I I was aware of all those other things as I was watching it, but I kept finding other stuff to enjoy. And I I, I want to stop being negative for a minute because I want to ask you more specifically about the horror aspects of this movie. Uh, How did you feel about that opening sequence? Oh, I was like, I had to remember for a second. Um, with with the, with the, with the teens that all get murdered. Um, the fact that I almost forgot it probably shows you, but um, I think the chase was fun, but mm, it's not memorable. Really? Like I would say, I don't know. 
Well, that's interesting because you've watched it more recently than me. I watched it Saturday night, uh, and I I really was impressed. Like uh, Adam and Kayla and I were joking as we watched it that like it was a really, really in some ways blatantly ripping off, you know, Scream and Halloween. Uh, Well, it's still it is still kind of ripping off Scream a little after that because uh, Catherine Newton's dad has died a year before, and it's like around the anniversary of when her dad died in Scream. Uh, Sydney Prescott's uh, mom had died like a year before. Uh, oh, yeah. but then, but then in, um, in this movie also though, like it's, you know, it's the typical intro that you have where uh, it feels a little bit like the intro scene to scream where you have the girl running around, like you have Drew Barrymore running around. So there's similarities there, but also just a masked killer terrorizing a house of teens is something that you've seen in all these movies going back to the seventies. And I'm like, okay, it is like very clearly cribbing from these other movies, but yeah. So in order for me to like still not be totally annoyed that it's doing that and the the rest of the execution needs to be like really smart. So I was then impressed that I thought they found like some really interesting ways to murder people. Uh, I would agree with that part because we've seen so many people get murdered in these slasher movies before in ways that are just, uh, in ways that we've probably have gotten repetitive if you watch enough of those movies and i maybe I haven't seen as many of them as other people because I've only really consistently watched horror movies for like five years now. But I, I was like, wow, that, they just killed someone with a wine bottle. Wow, they just killed someone by slamming a toilet seat on their head several times. Wow, they just killed someone with a tennis racket. I thought they like, found a lot of unique ways to do these murders, and I still got a kick out of it. And I thought they were filmed in uh, entertaining, pretty suspenseful ways. So I wanted to give it credit for doing that because I was, like, I was prepared to just like totally shit on it for just like copying other movies but i thought i thought it found some ways to be uh pretty entertaining and 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 the scene at the woodworking uh uh the woodworking murder that was pretty impressive and uh a good little uh appearance for alan ruck who i mean most people obviously know from ferris bjorb a lot of people now know him from succession so it's kind of cool that he's getting to pop up in other stuff now since succession has made him cool again that is a good positive all of the all of the killings i feel like were very unique Honestly, out of the first four teenagers that died, I thought the last girl that got stabbed in the middle that was hanging on the wall was the most memorable. But you're right. The racket, you know, the toilet seat. Also, she had such a good hiding spot. Why'd you leave that damn hiding spot, like, after 10 seconds? Right, and why would you be like, Dad? But it's like, you know. I mean, I just stay, like, like, you know there's a murderer that's already murdered your three friends. You have a really good hiding spot that you know tricked him. Why not just, like, hang out there for another 20 minutes, you know? Right. He couldn't have gone that far in the one minute that you were behind the closet. Right. So I was – that was a little, like, come on. Like, I – but you got to accept a little bit of that in horror movies. Like, characters aren't going to always do the smartest thing. But I was, like, yelling at the screen, like, no, 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 you found a good spot. Right. Don't leave it. But, no, the the woodwork scene was probably the best one. I was, like, are they actually going to show it? And I was, like, oh, they showed it (laughs) Mm -hmm. when he actually got sliced up. Did you have any other final thoughts on that, uh, on, on the last act of the movie? You mentioned uh, you not being totally there with Vince Vaughn, but she kind of comes together with her family. Uh, and I think like, this is the last aspect of the movie that we didn't touch on yet. Did you have any other thoughts you wanted to share on that before we wrapped up on Freaky? Yeah, honestly, I took one semester of a screenwriting class my freshman year, and I think I can predict all movies. So I, I knew a minute or two before the movie, I mean, not a minute or two, like a five minutes before I knew the movie was going to be ending and I didn't check the time. So I'm proud of myself, but I could tell the movie was ending. And I, to my, in my head, I was like, I really hope they have a good ending. Cause I know Blumhouse is like half and half with good endings. But, um, I thought it to myself and I was like, please let it be a good ending. And it was kind of nice cause it was a redemption story. But at the end, I literally do not even know what she, she said. And I, tr- I don't want to spoil it, but 
it was like it left on such a confusing note. Oh, you mean you, oh, like, you, you mean the final line of the movie? Yeah, did she say I I, I think she said I am I, a piece. I am I am a fucking piece or something like that or I am what a piece. What does that mean? <laughs> well, someone referred to her as like just like a, did someone refer to her as like a piece of ass or something derogatively earlier in the movie? I it was a callback to something earlier in the movie. I know that so. Uh, but the fact I, I, that we don't remember that it right, was a callback, I feel right. like it has to be another. Well, well, I mean, I knew it was a callback, but I couldn't tell you at what point in the movie it was from. So right. uh, if, if, if it's hard to make that connection, and I don't even know if I knew I, I don't know if you had asked me right after the movie ended, I'm not even sure if I could have told you where it popped up. I knew it was a callback, but I didn't exactly know to what. And you're like you're saying, maybe that's a problem if whatever it's calling back to you isn't memorable enough for you to like remember. Right. I mean, like, how did you I, how did you feel about the callback? I thought the family coming together at the end was like a nice tie with a bow. Yeah, but how else really... is it? How else is it going to end? I mean, right. But I mean, they didn't even like fully specify like I get the issues. And it was like your common family trope of like a family member passed away. You know, the other family, the other parents upset. The sister is, like, you know, so it's like it was a common family trope with all of that. But they kind of tied it again with, at the end with a bow, but I it was like, what were they trying to say about that too? Like families are stronger after something. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, whenever you come together to murder a serial killer and uh, with the, with the also hanging over your head, you're that bonded you're, for life. <laughs> with it also hanging over your head that your uh, your daughter may or may not have just murdered several people and is going to have to convince them that someone else took over her body to get off for murder. Uh, you're you're gonna, you're just going to become tighter as a family, I guess. I don't know. That's what that's what all the Hallmark cards say, right? When you <laughs> right. Uh, one other thing, I will shut up. One other scene I want to touch on before I end, I'll say. It was kind of super uncomfortable, but very highly executed when Millie slash was in Vince Vaughn's body in the dressing room at the store talking to her mom who poured her heart out to him. I was like, oh, my God, it was one of those things where it was like you kind of have to like watch through your watch through your uh, fingers covering your eyes because it was getting so awkward. But, so awkward. And, and I'm not and I'm not like a cringe humor type of person, but even I have to acknowledge that that scene was like really well acted. And again, I think we were both in agreement that we're like really impressed and th- think Vince Vaughn brought it, even if we don't think the movie quite was up to snuff. So I just wanted to kind of, yeah. ag- again, acknowledge that scene as being just another example of uh, him being like really bringing, really bringing it and not mailing it in in this movie. Yeah. And I feel bad because I feel like I've only talked about negative things, but truly, I think it also, to be honest, if I saw this in theaters, I might have had a little bit more fun because I feel like being with a theater audience kind of sways you into thinking more positively about it especially with the music and how big the performances was i feel like i would have had a little bit more fun in theaters yeah for any genre of movie i can make the argument that uh oh this is what this loses at a movie this is what this this is what this loses not being in the theater this one loses this and it's funny enough i think the uh, a couple a couple episodes ago or a couple of podcast appearances ago when we talked about the lovebirds we 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 both kind of came down on uh that would have been one that would have just helped a lot being in a theater cuz laughter needs company as the saying goes and I, I that can obviously be the same for a movie like this and at the same time doubly so for a movie like this when it comes to the kills because I just, I mean, a lot of those kills, even watching it in a group of three people as I was, I was like, oh, man, ah, like you have so many moments <laughs> like that, which are probably even more fun when you like have like a full audience of people. So I think like just inherently those isolated moments that we kind of even acknowledge were good within a movie that was just okay would be even like more memorable and fun for us if we had had a lot of people in a big room on a big screen. Exactly. No, I agree. Um, it kind of reminded me of like 
I don't want to compare it to Ma, but Ma was also Blumhouse, right? Oh, I liked Ma. Ma was. I, I like. That was Ma a divisive a movie, but I liked that movie. Yeah, so but I I think like I'm thinking of Ma for some reason, and so like I liked seeing that in theaters as well. But I mean, obviously we, we can't be right now, so maybe we revisit in a year when this is being shown as a rerun. <laughs> Don't make me drink alone. Don't make me. Drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, now I want to just watch Ma again. Oh my god, I, I was just so happy for Octavia Spencer to go like do something where she got to go off the handle as opposed to just playing a maid. I was so happy for her. It was I was I was so fun. Um, but yeah. Sure. And any any other final thoughts on Freaky before we move on? Um, obviously, like we've said before, Catherine and Vince are amazing. I would watch solely for them alone. It's a really fun film, um, even though if it has some holes in it, uh, I would still recommend seeing it, but maybe not paying the prices that it's at right now. Uh, yeah, very true. We both paid like the full uh, twenty dollars on um, <laughs> on. Uh, on our various streaming platforms, but I think you'll be able to find it for much cheaper uh, down down the road. Uh, the other thing I forgot to shout out when I was like running through Catherine Newton things that she's done on uh, before that I really liked. She was on. Uh, she, she she was she should have been the lead of Detective Pikachu, a movie I talked about last year, and uh, with with Fred. And like I, I I'm just I wasn't as huge of a fan of the lead actor in that, and I thought it should have been built around her. And she's like the best part of that, and. Uh, she shows up for like a split second in Lady Bird, uh, a blink and you miss her type of thing. And then she was the daughter oh, wow. in three billboards outside of Missouri, who obviously is kind of like gets murdered. But she's been in like a lot of stuff. And I, I hope she keeps like getting to do her thing and uh, gets gets cast as things because she deserves good things. Um, exactly. She deserves to be in the spotlight. I also have one more thing, Josh. I forgot, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, I forgot to mention. It's just a little fun fact that I found at the end thanks to Twitter. But I was going through Twitter to see if anyone like reviewed Freaky last night. And I found out that if you go to the credits, um, the three kind of like jock rapey dudes at the end, they named them after Brett Kavanaugh's friends. So one is named Squee, (laughs) one is named Tobin, and one is named Brett. Oh my god! So I did not know that. That that that, 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 is, that is a great nugget. I'm glad you told me. I have even. I might just give the movie an extra half star now that I know that. Because I because I, yeah. I haven't I haven't logged in on Letterbox yet. But now 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 I'll keep that in mind. Uh, let's move on to Freaky Friday, which is the uh, 2003 movie from uh, direct director Mark Waters, writers Heather Hawk and Leslie Dixon. It stars uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan as Anna Coleman and Tess Coleman who are like a mother and daughter. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's Tess is a, a psychiatrist and she ha- she is a, she's a widow, but she is soon to be married to uh, Mark Harmon's Ryan and her younger daughter, uh, Anna, is just very, very uh, upset about this as most young kids might be when a parent remarries. And uh, they also has a, a younger son named uh, Harry who I actually really like that kid in this movie. We'll talk about him a little bit. But they have their typical mother-daughter kind of spats that um, any mom might with a 15-year-old daughter who is uh, in one of the, you know, more, I'd say, uh, wholesome uh, punk bands you could imagine who, but like, just wants to rock really hard, make a lot of noise, be left alone, do teenage things, chase older guys that ride motorcycles around and look like Chad Michael Murray. Uh, Totally understandable, I guess. And uh, the mom's just obviously not so cool with that. Things come to a head when they're at a dinner at a Chinese restaurant the thir- the Thursday night before the weekend that they that Tess is to get married, uh, one of the uh, older ladies at the Chinese restaurant sees them fighting and uh, 
slips them some magic fortune cookies thinking she'll do them a favor they wake up the next morning they're in each other's bodies and they need to figure out how to you know get back into their own bodies as they we just talked about another movie where that was the case uh but they need to pretend to be each other uh for at least a little while before they can actually kind of you know get things back to normal and we see Lindsay Lohan acting like a 48 year old woman at a high school and we see uh Jamie Lee Curtis acting like a 15-year-old girl living the life of a psychiatrist, and uh, hilarity ensues. I had not watched this movie, Lissa. I mean, <gasps> maybe since I saw it in theaters. I had seen it before, but like... I oh, just, okay, okay. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I, I had seen it before, but I mean, I probably hadn't seen it since 2003 or so. And I, I was like, I, don't pull a Daniel with Adam Sandler on me. No, no. And I, uh, I, I don't know... What even made me? I mean, I was maybe I was thinking about other body switching movies, and I was just curious. Oh, like did I did I ever even rate Freaky Friday at Letterbox? I'm sure I did at some point. I was just curious. I went back and I was like, oh, and I clicked on like the thing on Letterbox where you can see where stuff's streaming. I was like, oh, it's on Disney Plus. Like it's easy to watch. I probably wouldn't have even bothered if like I had to go pay for it after we spent twenty dollars on Freaky. But I was like, all right, I may as well watch this and give me another point of reference for a body switching movie that's obviously a much more wholesome one. Uh, but I'll go ahead and do it. And uh, you, you you were able to make the time to do so as well. So I thought it'd be a little interesting to at least discuss a little bit in the context of having watched like a, a rated r gruesome body switching movie let's watch a disney sw- uh, body switching movie uh did you have a relationship with freaky friday before watching it and what what, what, what was it like for you going back and rewatching it as an, an actual an adult as opposed to like a kid like you were when you first saw it like i was I was actually so happy that you recommended it and it was a good um, comparison to Freaky. I definitely watched the movie when it came out. It was 2003. I can't remember how old I was, but I don't, I don't know. We're around like how old are, uh, I mean, I would have been like 12 and you're like four, four years younger than me. So you're probably like eight or nine or seven, eight, eight or nine. nine. You're probably like seven, eight, nine, something like that. Yeah. I feel like I saw it early on too. Like right when it came out, like not one of those films where you waited. And I remember loving the movie. I feel like I caught it on Disney channel or whatever, like ABC, like maybe once or twice in in that time period. But honestly, I was so glad to rewatch it last night because it's literally true classic cinema. If anyone (laughs) thinks otherwise, I will, I will fight (laughs) them because I mean, it, it's fun. It's funny. Cause like I was looking at the reviews for freaky and not to compare it so soon, but like people gave it raving reviews, didn't think it was cringy. And I'm like, people think that of freaky Friday. So I was having such an inner crisis thinking that like, do I have It's very taste? strange. I was surprised when I, they actually both are about the same rating with the critics on letter on rotten tomatoes, but like the audience score on freaky Friday was kind of low. It's like in the fifties or something. Right? And the critics for both this and freaky had it like around 80 to 83 or something in that range. But for some reason, but like, uh, freaky was like consistent across the critics and the audience. Whereas like there's this, this big dip in the audience for, uh, freaky Friday, which I'm surprised about. Maybe it's cause kids aren't the ones rating stuff on rotten tomatoes. I don't know. And it is a kids movie. It is a kids movie. But even Letterbox has it as like 2.9 or 3.9 oh, I, 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 something I, oh, around there. I missed that. But, uh, but it still holds up for you. It still 100% holds up, and it was so fun to rewatch it as more of an adult last night because it's it's an I feel like I'm in, in the middle of both of them, <laughs> but it just it just does that 2003 feel so well, and it does the body switching so well, and and if we're gonna have to compare Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan's switcheroo and acting compared to Vince Vaughn and Catherine, for me Jamie and Lindsay did so much better. It's just the way they embody each other for me is is so to the T that it was like it was very fluent well, and it felt real. 
Well, I, the, the way I'll slightly disagree with you is I don't want to say necessarily they did so much better because I think we both agree that Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton are great, but I think the movie around them is better in that these are two more fully drawn characters, so it's just easier to kind of like yeah. ap- appreciate that entire experience because, like again, both movies are similar in that they that they're that they are relying on you to like be fully invested in two different characters. But I think the freaky freaky Friday is the one that actually develops two characters. So it just feels more effective for that, but they are doing like a great job of acting. The one thing I'll say is that like, it is very still clearly, I could tell as I'm watching it and still enjoying it, that it's definitely a kid's movie. There are just like moments where there's like little bits of humor and there are certain small things that like, I think are even like more targeted to kids. I don't have, I'm not sitting here saying I have the most mature sense of humor in the world because <laughs> there are still things that I really laughed a lot at. Like I, I was, I was just never not going to laugh at Jamie Lee Curtis, like picking on the seven year old boy. Like, it is just hilarious? Like sticking your tongue out at him, like flicking his ear, like stuff like that. Like that's, that's never not going to get me to laugh, I guess. But there are other moments right. where the, the dialogue is maybe a little more cheesy here and there. I didn't write down a whole lot of examples of that, but it was just something I noticed where I think you kind of maybe picked up on moments of dialogue like that and freaky. I picked up on some stuff like that here, but it didn't really bother me on the whole too much because I just, right. I love these performances so much. And I thought they both like embodied each other so well. Yeah, I would agree. That's a good point. I guess I only felt that way probably because the characters around Jamie and Lindsay were so well thought out too. And the the tone and the storyline felt more concrete than Freaky did for me. And maybe that's why I was thinking like, oh, they did so much better. But in reality, all four all four actors and actresses did such a good job when they were switching bodies. But for me, you're right. Freaky Friday has some cringy moments, but maybe it works for us because we're older and we're watching. Well, it did you find did you find your, did you find yourself like surprised that you were siding with the mom so much. Cause that was kind of how I felt. I was like, Oh wow. I don't remember being like so sympathetic to the old person, but now I do. And maybe right. I'm older than I realized. And I, then all of a sudden I realized like, I think Jamie Lee Curtis, she was born in 1958. So she's like 44 when this movie was filmed about, and I am 29 years old. So I am like 15 years away from being 44. And I think Lindsay Lohan is probably supposed to be 15 in this because she has her learner's permit. So I am like one year away from being closer to Jamie Lee Curtis's age than I am to Lindsay Lohan's age in this movie. So I was like, oh man, I am getting old. Not only am I in age, but also in, uh, in, in, in state of mind in that I kept sympathizing with the mom. Yeah, I think I was slowly doing that <laughs> way too because it's like, ugh, I'm like, why doesn't Lindsay listen to her mom and why doesn't her character, you know, actually do her stuff and just not be so angsty all the time? And I'm like, oh, the views are shifting. But it was honestly kind of nice to watch too after after having Lady Bird come out because it was kind of that nice like mother daughter mm. film that you can kind of compare a little bit, not compare in terms of like draw conclusions, but it was nice to think of another mother-daughter film that came out recently and kind of see if they got any inspiration from that movie too. Yeah, I, who knows? I'd be, I'd be curious to think. I mean, uh, Greta Gerwig was I – mean, Lady Bird's actually set in 2003, which is, uh, which is also kind of – or no, set in 2002. 2002, 2002-2003 school year, I believe. So um, yeah, I basically made it like the, set in the same time this movie was made and uh, 
Yeah, it's really funny. And, you know, I, 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 I to this day think that Lori Metcalf should have won the Oscar for Lady Bird over mm-hmm. uh, Alice and Janie for I, Tanya. But I, I was thinking about it. It's like, oh, like Jamie Lee Curtis is about the same age as her. I bet she could have, like, played that role, too. That would have been, like, an interesting kind of casting what if. I, I just, just in my head, I was like, oh, she seems like the right age and has, like, the right temperament that she could have totally uh, done that. But I, uh, uh, at the same time, I guess like we said i think the biggest thing just being with freaky friday like i think these uh these characters are very well drawn and like i i think it's easy to forget now i I mean like jamie lee curtis is still doing stuff she's like back doing these halloween movies again and like i think everyone like has mad respect for her i think it's easy to forget that like because i think Lindsay lohan was like so into that like it girl scene of the early 2000s and people like almost more think about her for that and it's just and just mean girls without like actually thinking like of how good of an actor she was i mean i think yeah. it's like I, th- I think there's basically like a I, I mean i think there's pretty simply like the the three big movies of hers where like she like truly truly shows like acting chops or like this and the, the parent trap and mean girls mm-hmm. and it's like she was like really really good at acting and was like obviously could play like do some crazy crazy stuff like she does in mean girls but like had the discipline to like actually pull off being someone is like straight laced and serious and be as Jamie Lee Curtis's version of Tess is supposed to be and like mm-hmm. so convincingly does that and I think I mean again it's just as fun watching Jamie Lee Curtis like let loose and do that but I think it's easy to forget just like how talented Lindsay Lohan was before like things unfortunately kind of went in the wrong direction for her and it's kind of it's kind of fun just revisiting that and remembering like wow she was like really talented and could carry a movie like this no i mean you took the words out of my mouth i 100 percent agree like the the ending or towards the middle when she's like in the black dress giving a speech at like the rehearsal dinner and she's Mm -hmm. like crying i'm like she literally like i keep the like in that scene you think that she's like 40 because that's the way she's acting and she does it so well and for jamie lee curtis to be absolutely shredding on the guitar like she's Mm. like 18 years old also who is 15 playing at the house of blues like i'm very jealous but anyways more important question who is their mom's maid of honor at age 15 does that just say the mom needs better friends or it could i've never i've never never been like party to a I, i guess i've never really been to a wedding where someone's getting remarried that has kids of that age necessarily i didn't know if that was unusual or not i i was like this is very bizarre don't you have like a friend that could be like more reliable to do these things as opposed to like leaving it to your 15 year old daughter to like organize all the maid of honor things i was gonna say like did she actually end up planning it what happened there but she needs to get more friends probably yeah i don't know that was something i thought about but um but no, I mean, it was really fun watching them do all the wacky stuff. But at the same time, I think it's uh, I think some of those dramatic moments, like you were talking about her speech at the end. And I think some of that stuff resonates more because I really, really like the um, the Mark Harmon character of Ryan. Like, I think that's a cool depiction of like a guy trying to like uh, like a guy try- about to become a stepdad. What, you, what did you think revisiting it, seeing that guy have to like kind of deal with what these crazy women are doing around him? <laughs> I know it was actually it was very wholesome like I liked his performance because and I keep bringing up the rehearsal scene but when he was trying to explain you know uh, I'm here for this family you should be putting your kids first and you know I'm here to support that is actually very heartwarming and I think he did a great job it was very believable as him as a stepfather and he did his he did his character really well too because it's it's very believable at the end and 
it really makes for like a happy ending. Yeah, he tells you her kinda, you want to be involved in. <laughs> he tells her to go to the show, and they, like they've kind of set this whole movie up trying to make it look like he's going to be mean and strict, even when he kind of like lets the son like get yogurt. Uh, yeah. Or in stuff like that, or I think it was or ice cream. I don't know why I said yogurt. And uh, Tess spends the whole movie just kind of like worried that things aren't going to be okay for him. But whereas he's like, she doesn't even realize he's bending over backwards to like try and make things work. And I liked, I, I just liked the way he was like dead serious towards her. Though at the same time, understandably, kind of like also or dead serious telling her to go to her show, but at the same time, kind of losing his patience. But like they totally won me over, and I could see how he would be won over uh, w- when they give that speech. At the end, do you have feelings in general about uh, Chad Michael Murray in this movie? <laughs> this was I mean, oh, th- this came out. I, I looked it up beforehand. I don't know if you were a One Tree Hill person. I was for a minute, uh, <laughs> not not for the whole run of the show. This came out like a month before One Tree Hill, so he had had like a couple guest appearances on like uh, Dawson's Creek and Gilmore Girls, apparently, and then uh, was in this movie. And then One Tree Hill came out like a month later. So this is kind of like one of his first big things, and. Not that he ever became like a big time movie actor, but I actually like found him pretty charming in this movie. I know I actually was never a One Tree Hill fan and I was never actually a big Chad Michael Murray fan because I think Cinderella story after this film, I think it was with Hillary Duff. Yes. So I remember seeing him in this movie and then seeing him in Hillary in uh, Cinderella story. And I was like, what is the big deal? Like, Ah. he's. He's good looking and he's charming. And I'm not trying to like get on his chops about the way he looks, but he was really well casted for this film because he was the laid back crush and the fact that he fell in love with a mom <laughs> would come off cringy but the way it worked was so hilarious and for me he was really charming in this film and he came across as like the perfect person to have a crush on so i think he was really well casted well yeah like you said it could be kind of cringy when he like falls for a mom and i actually went back and watched that portion of the movie before we started recording like i was just jumping around trying to refresh myself a little bit and I was like, they have like one scene together where they're like, oh, do you like that band? Yeah, I like that band. Do you like that band? Oh, I have their bootleg CDs. And then that's <laughs> it. And then he's just obsessed with her for the rest of the movie. And that would like normally break one of my cardinal sins of like any kind of rom-com storyline where it's like someone's in love with someone where you barely see them have any substantial conversation or the, the, the parts where they fall in love or reduced to a montage. And I was just like, I kind of buy, I guess that Jamie Lee Curtis playing Anna is charming enough and Chad Michael Murray is doing a good enough job at acting that I just kind of accepted it that like this guy would just be a love struck puppy and I was just kind of there along for the ride and the logic of it didn't bother me too much and I, I gave him credit for that and I'll, I'll, I'll just say that and uh and yeah and, and, and also I I, I want to say with regard to him I like the choice of how they kind of con- in contrast to how I didn't like how they set up Catherine Newton in Freaky here I kind of like how they set up her high school life I guess she did have a couple like bullying type issues where like the girl, the the pretty girl that used to be her friend is kind of mean to her, but it's not like a all out kind of thing where she's positioned as the victim of bullying like she is in in Freaky. She has her own really good group of friends and she's pretty confident. Like they they have their own stuff going on in life and she's well adjusted aside from the fact that she just is angry at her mom, but that doesn't feel too out of the ordinary. So I kind of just like the way that she was set up in this movie where it's like she's just more having to specifically overcome like what her deal is with her mom and her problems at school aren't something that I had trouble buying that would be problems and it was then kind of actually fun to see the mom have to like deal with it because they were just like typical teenage girl problems but now like a mom Mm -hmm. is confronted with them though it's not necessarily a typical teenage girl problem to have like the be the be the object of torment of a english teacher that was spurned by your mom when he asked her to prom 30 years ago 
But I, uh, I, I, I was still there for the ride, and I was like, okay, this is a high school setup I can get behind. You're not asking me to uh, think that, like, this uh, attractive, really hip, into-music girl is, like, all of a sudden, like, having the worst high school experience ever, you know? Exactly, and that's where it just kind of made more sense because, like, she wasn't struggling to the point of where it was, like, unbelievable, but she wasn't also, like, perfect school life, perfect friends to the point that it was unbelievable. It was a nice medium where, like, you saw her typical girl struggles. You saw the typical, like, I have a crush on a guy who doesn't know me, notice me kind of thing, but it was all believable, so it, it made sense, and you didn't really question it. And now that you asked that question, I'm trying to think, like, was there, like, a moral of the movie? But there doesn't have to be one, but I was just... I feel mm. like the English major in me always wants to find, like, what what fable did we learn t- for today, you know? Yeah, put yourself in someone else's shoes. I mean, it's pretty on right. the nose, I guess, but, like, just, like, when you when you actually take the time to see what someone's going through, you'll empathize with them more, and, and you got to be open-minded. And, I mean, I don't think it's... I don't think it's rocket science, but I think it's a good message for kids. And like I said, as I was watching it, I was more acutely aware of that it was aimed for kids, but some of it Mm -hmm. uh, still really worked for me. And I think um, if anything, I mean, it's just that like, uh, look, you got, you got to listen to other people. And these are characters at the beginning that weren't listening to each other. And um, I think that's still a pretty good lesson that hopefully kids can take from it if they feel like uh, terrorizing their parents, you know, because I guess I'm an old now and I empathize with the parents. They're not old. Uh, I I appreciate, (laughs) I I appreciate that, but I'm going to be 30 in uh, less than two months. So I'm, I'm old. Uh, Do you have any other final thoughts on freaky? Oh, my last final thought on freaky Friday. Uh, Again, I I hinted at it earlier. I like the little brother. I you know, know he's so I, cute. I he's feel so like funny. I, I feel like there's like a risk when you like cast a little boy like that. that you could just get a bad actor. Like a lot of times, like child actors aren't aren't really that great. And I thought that like this guy was actually like very very entertaining. And uh, I thought he was really funny in the scene where, and uh, and so is uh, Jamie Lee Curtis when she goes to the parent teacher conference. At but she's I mean she's still uh, playing Anna. I thought she was really funny just being like, Oh, he could toughen up, but then, uh, has to read the letter and it's very sweet. And then he's like, Oh, don't tell her I like her. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I just bought the kid. And I mean, he, those could have been like corny line readings in lesser hands. And I thought he did a good job. So I want to shout him out, but do you have any other final thoughts on the movie yourself? Mm, I'm, how do you sum up a masterpiece? <laughs> uh, but no, I'm just kidding. But honestly, like I, I would say it's taken this revisit to like truly appreciate how, wonderful this film is and how wonderful Jamie Lee Curtis and Lohan are in this film. Mm. Um, they do such a good job. Sometimes like I forget they actually didn't switch bodies. Like it's just like a film, <laughs> but I recommend this film to people who haven't seen it. If you are around our age and you haven't seen it in a while, I recommend revisiting it when you get a chance. It's a nice kind of feel good film with, with well-casted actors and actresses and, the ending makes for a great story because especially with that now that we're under pandemic, a lot of people are closer to their family members that you kind of want to, you know, strangle them sometimes. So it's a nice remembrance that we're all in different shoes and we're trying to come together. So I recommend it. It's, it's very wholesome. And, um, I would, I would, of course, the only reason you should watch it is for the shredding house of blues guitar scene, because if you don't know the song by heart, are you a real Disney fan? 
<laughs> uh, I, 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 I do not. I, I, I was going to ask you the question, is their band good? Uh, that was the other thing I was going to say. Uh, I, I think they're pretty solid. So They are. Uh, I would see them. I play Guitar Hero to, them, to their song. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I would also recommend Freaky Friday. Uh, it's, a, it's a really fun time. It's definitely a kid's movie, but I think uh, old people like me can like it, then you can like it too. Uh, Lissa, before we sign off, anything else you want to plug that you've been watching recently that you've been really enjoying? TV, movies, old, new, anything? Ooh, I always know you're going to ask this question. I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll, 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 I'll go first. So you can think about it okay. for a second, and then if you don't have anything, that's fine. A lot of people have been too busy to be watching a lot of things. Uh, I, I, am going to recommend something that we might be doing a podcast on soon. Depends on scheduling and who's available for what. Uh, last night I watched Sound of Metal, which is the new uh, movie with Riz Ahmed uh, playing a, a metal band drummer who loses his hearing. And has to go through the process of uh, learning how to live as a deaf man and figuring out if he's going to kind of make the choice to get cochlear implants to kind of get out of that lifestyle. And uh, But he's also a recovering addict, so he's trying to kind of balance a- any of the stresses that come with his uh, new situation that could lead him down a dark path. And it sounds like really, really dark, but it's actually not a difficult watch in that way, and I highly recommend it. Olivia Cook plays his girlfriend and has her own really actually impressive storyline. And uh, it's just a very, very uh, moving movie that... That is uh, also pretty heartwarming at times. So I would recommend that. We might be talking about it soon, but I highly recommend it uh, regardless of whether or not we end up doing an episode on it. It's on Amazon Prime. So go, and it, it premiered last year at TIFF and I think got a really good reception, like 2019. It just took a while to come out. But highly recommend people check out Sound of Metal. Great Riz Ahmed performance. Uh, Lisa, did you think of anything you want to recommend to the listeners? I did. And you reminded me that I need to watch Sound of Metal too, so thank yeah. you. But um, I recommend to... The listeners, the first one is if you are subscribed to Disney Plus, hashtag not sponsored, um, you should watch the Frozen 2 behind the scenes series mm-hmm. on the channel. It's actually really interesting. I thought um, you were going to talk about the folklore studio sessions because I watched that a couple of nights ago. <laughs> oh, I heard it's good. I am unfortunately not a big Taylor Swift fan, but I think I'm still going to check it out because it looks like it's really well done. Okay, sorry. So, sorry okay, sorry to cut but, you off, but like, no, uh, okay. so what's going on with the Frozen 2 thing? So the Frozen 2 thing is really interesting because if you are a person that's in TV and film, it's really interesting to you. But also if you're interested in getting a TV and film, it's really interesting. But also someone who is more on like the scripted side that is looking to get maybe more into like animation side, it's really informative because they kind of give you start to finish what the process is like, what departments there are within animation. And a little part of me, it was just happy to see the opposite side of my work because I haven't been there in six, seven months. Um, so definitely recommend that it's a, it's, it's short and sweet and really easy to watch. And I am, I am not a frozen two fan. Actually. I really hated honestly, that, really hated that movie, not but, either. but maybe I'll have more respect for it. If I see all the work that went in behind the scenes. So. Truly. Like when I watched frozen two, I'm so sorry to my employers. I didn't love it at first, but I watched that and saw all the hard work and changes they made that really that went into it and it was really inspiring and kind of you know maybe give me like made me want to give like another half star almost a full star i'm, up I'm not i'm not going to make you say anything bad about this because <laughs> uh Lisa is a uh, disney employee but <laughs> if you put a gun to my head and told me to explain the plot of frozen 2 I, i'd be a dead man that's that's all i'll say uh you, 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 you don't have to comment you don't have to comment but i'm just uh, that that's what i'm saying did you, it sound like you had something else you're going to plug to and just the last one, because I know we were talking about it before we hopped yeah. on, but I am obsessed with The Crown right now. I mm. can't wait till it's 7.30 and it's time for dinner because we get to binge two, maybe three, if we're lucky, episodes of The Crown. 
And I've seen a lot of comments that call it slow. And I really don't think it's slow because whenever we're watching, if someone's giving a speech or Have some you, so, so you're on season three, did you get to the whales episode? It sounds like. Yes. So that's the thing. It's like, I mean, these are like the least relatable people in the whole, whole world. I don't think it's boring. It gets me to care about like, the smallest shit that shouldn't matter at all. Oh man, right? I, I hope I hope Charles can give his speech in Welsh, or I hope the <laughs> I, I hope the Queen doesn't receive too much backlash for that one comment she made, uh, or that one comment she didn't refuse that, that she didn't push back against, which is a, a thing in a season four episode. And it's like really crazy how intense it makes like the most minute. Uh, like first world i don't even want to say first world problems it's like an understatement uh out of this world problems i don't know <laughs> exactly and like it's it's kind of embarrassing but like my mom and i are sitting here and when something crazy happens we're we're like literally aloud we're like oh shit and we're like some like exciting happens we're like literally screaming yes like it's like a drama film like we're literally <laughs> like as if it's not history and it's already or you like happened. already in theory know what's going to happen to these exactly yeah. but the way they they did, they did such a good job portraying it on tv that it's like you makes you feel like they made this shit up mm. <laughs> very, very true i highly recommend the crown as well uh Lisa, if people want to follow you anywhere or read your thoughts on things where can they find you on twitter and letterbox and all that fun stuff Yes, follow me on Letterbox, Lissa Lissa L I S S A twice. I had to change my Twitter name because I got attacked by trolls. So wait till that comes down, and next time I'll let you know what my Twitter account is. <laughs> okay, I will. We'll, Lissa will be back in the next month probably to talk about another movie, and she'll hopefully have a new Twitter handle to share then because uh, Lissa is a fun follow on Twitter. As usual, I'm Josh Jernavoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y, on both Twitter and Letterboxd. The podcast Twitter is at Rewind Movie Pod. Podcast Gmail is the Rewind Movie Pod at gmail.com. Send any feedback there or suggestions for other movies you want us to talk about. If we happen to have an off day, before the Oscar movie Deluge hits us, then uh, maybe we'll talk about something a listener recommends if someone wants to do that because that's kind of how we are been programming this year without a lot of new movies. But again, I think we're about to start having a lot of new movies. So everyone stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Alyssa for joining me and we'll see you next time.